0: Good morning. I'm Grace. I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies! We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Indeed. This week, Akata Witch by Nettie Okorafor. We're doing something a little bit different with this episode. We would really, really like to start covering more books by Black authors. Our output has been extremely white so far. Part of that is because we were reading what was available to us when we were youngins and that was white tales by white people from Mm -hmm. white folklore and we really want to change that. Yeah and also I was thinking about this too when we would go
1: to the bookstore or the library whatever we would gravitate towards white names on Mm -hmm. the covers of books too because we didn't to have a concept of like, ah, oh, I'm going to learn something from Let's a different, try something different yeah. and learn yes. and educate ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So that's
0: what we're doing now. We're doing that <laughs> 30 dec- years decades later. <laughs> later. <laughs> decades later, here <laughs> we are. Um, so we are going to, you know, be peppering in episodes that are uh, by authors that are more contemporary. Um, that have come out, um, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years yeah, and aren't books that we've read before. Um, but I think you're really going to enjoy these discussions just as much this as you a do great book. This book was amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited that we yeah. read it. Um, we put out a call a few months ago, about any recommendations anyone might have for why fantasy books written by black authors. And we got some awesome ones from listener Nina, who also has a great children's literature podcast of her own called Even the Trench Bowl, that you should definitely check out. That's such a great name. <laughs> it is <It's> a great <laughs> name. So this episode will be slightly different and that we won't have old and new impressions because this book is all new to us, but I think we still have some really cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. So come along. We will thoroughly spoil the book as we do every book we cover, and this book was absolutely incredible. I highly recommend it. So if you would like to read it, go do that before listening. It's really hard to put down. It, it really sucks you in super quickly and... It's a rump. It is a rump. It (laughs) is. And it's just, it falls into the magical education genre, which is something that I will never, ever, ever get tired of. It made me
1: think a lot about um, Tamara Pierce, especially her most recent one with Tempest and Slaughter. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Yep. Definitely. Because it's about a wizard getting wizard
0: knowledge. Also, So You Want to Be a Wizard by Diane Duane. So let's start off by describing how the publisher chose to package and promote this book. Um, A quick note, the American edition of the book has a different title. In Nigeria and in the UK, the book was released under the title What Sunny Saw in the Flames. Oh, that's such a cool title. It is a cool title. And I don't know if that is because akata is a derogatory term, um, which they mention in the story. Um, because right. Sonny talks about being called Akata because it's a term in Africa for a person who is of American mm-hmm. descent. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that affected um, the publisher's choice to change the title, but it's not a word that I had ever heard. So we... Uh, pretty much always put a pronunciation disclaimer at the beginning of each of our episodes. In most cases, that's because there are fantasy words, right, that, like made up words that right, don't that really just exist don't know how in to pronounce. any language. Um, a lot of the words in this book are actual words mm-hmm. mostly from the Igbo language. Um and we are and the going, names are actual names right. too. Uh, Nigerian names. Um and we don't want to sound disrespectful in our pronunciations. Um but we're just trash at pronouncing things mm-hmm. anyway. Um so we're gonna do our best. We're gonna do our
1: best. You are. If we make an egregious error, you are totally welcome to reach out to us. But we've we've gone through the pronunciations, and we, we, we think just, we have a good baseline we just here. Spent a good thirty minutes yes. <laughs> trying
0: to get on the same page. So, so. we're
1: we're trying. We're
0: trying. Thank we you. Go. Thank you for your patience. Yes, <laughs> we, we appreciate it. Okay, the cover of the book. This was released by Viking in the United States, this edition. Um, it has a gorgeous painting of Sunny with... It's in, a cool painting. Insibiti symbols um, from the language that she learns during the course of the book um, across her face. And she's wearing a raffia dress, probably similar to the one that she uh, appears in after her initiation into the leopard people... Um and we also have is the insect that's on her Della, her her little wasp? I can't tell what that is. Yeah. There's an insect of indeterminate species of origin on her yeah. forehead. I'm yeah, it's, thinking it's Della, but it's not blue. I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: It's very clearly green.
0: Uncertain, let us know. But maybe that's so it will match her beautiful green eyes. Mm -hmm. I'm
1: not sure. Maybe,
0: yeah. I'm not sure. Um, And we also get a quote from Ursula Le Guin on the cover, which says, there's more vivid imagination in a page of Nettie Okorafor's work than in whole volumes of ordinary fantasy epics. Love it. Nice. Yeah. I really
1: really like that Sunny looks like an actual person. Like it's not Mm -hmm. stylized to any point where it looks like you know a barbie or something like that
0: and there is some really great sunny fan art on the internet if anyone oh, cares to look. Yeah, some yeah. really cute drawings of her so madeline would you like to give us a plot summary oh i also just want to say that it's really cool to have a fantasy cover that has a Black girl on it yeah. instead of the typical characters that you see on fantasy covers. I was thinking about this during our Farthest Shore episode a few episodes ago too, mm-hmm. um, where we have two brown-skinned men on the cover, yeah. uh, as opposed to what so much looks like when you're going through your standard, you know, YA fantasy section at a right. bookstore or a mm-hmm. library. Yeah. Go Sunny. I am going
1: to do the plot summary now. Like Grace said, we do thoroughly spoil the plot of every book that we do. So if you want to read this book first before you get spoilies, then go read the book. Um, And uh, I'm going to do not a super detailed summary. Um, The building blocks of this story when it comes down to it are pretty straightforward. Um, So I'm going to try to stick with that. Um, Okay. So Sunny is the protagonist of this book. She is uh, she doesn't know it at the beginning of the book, but she actually belongs to um, a special type of human being called a leopard person. Um, and uh, at the beginning of each most chapters many chapters, Um, there are excerpts from this book. At the very beginning of the book, you don't know what's happening, but you get an excerpt right away from the first textbook that Sunny gets when she finds out that she's a leopard person. Uh, and Fast facts for free agents? Yes, yeah. And uh, so Sunny... I'm, I'm giving this exposition first because I think it's it's better to do it this way. Um, Sunny is not only a leopard person, she's a free agent, meaning that she grew up completely outside of leopard person knowledge. Um, so she has no idea what's going on. That's, that's one of the things about free agents is they're like relatively ignorant because they weren't raised yeah. in the culture at all.
0: And she, she learns later that her grandmother was a leopard person and a very important, powerful one. Mm-hmm. But free agents are presented to her as individuals who randomly have this ability right. mm-hmm. and it hasn't been passed down through their bloodlines. right exactly um often leopard people
1: it is passed down through their bloodline and it gives those leopard people leg up as far as their studies because then they're raised in that instead of finding out at age yeah. like 14 oh by the way you have all these magical powers and there's another world that you have access to Um, And the book is, like, especially the book that Sunny gets as her first textbook, Fast Facts, is so mean. It's very rude. (laughs) So mean. Very rude. Um, But anyway, so Sunny, when we first meet her, she's having a vision of the world ending. uh, And she doesn't really know what's going on. She kind of knows that she is like, has some kind of power. Like, she knows it intuitively. That's how come she can look into a candle flame and see the end of the world, even though, as far as she uh, consciously knows, she's just a normal person. And But there is another like glaring detail and how she's different. Sunny has albinism. uh, And uh, so she has, she calls her, her hair and her skin, the color of curdled milk um, because uh, she, it sounds like she's just carrying that over from what people have said to her uh, because everyone is uh, constantly commenting on the fact that she has albinism and always calling her ugly. um, And it's, it's, hard (laughs) it's hard sunny goes through a lot uh she's bullied relentlessly because she's different um and at the very beginning of the book as well when she's leaning into the candle flame she has long beautiful hair but she burns it so then she goes with a very close cropped um fro because her long hair is gone because she has to cut it off because she catches it in the flame she is american but she's also belongs to at least two distinct ethnic groups from Nigeria, which are Ibo and Efik, um, because of her mother and father. Her mother and father are professionals, and they move Sunny and her brothers from America back to Nigeria when Sunny is nine. And uh, Sunny doesn't know why Um, you find out at the very end of the book, her mom tells her that they actually moved back to Nigeria because of Sunny, Mm. because her mom had a feeling that Sunny needed to be in Nigeria.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm glad that they did.
1: Which helps to explain also why her father is such a jerk to her her. because he doesn't want to be in Nigeria. But Sunny didn't even know about any of that. No one told her. Uh, so one of the earliest scenes in the book is when Sunny is at school and she's getting uh uh basically uh, this resonated with me so hard because my teachers I I was a I I was a teacher's pet when I was like in uh, uh, junior high and before that point and my teachers would always announce it to class when I did better than everyone and then it would make everyone hate me. Yeah, that's bad. And in this book, the most egregious example of uh, I I was shocked at at how poorly her teacher handled this. She tells the class that Sunny did way better on her paper than everyone else, that Sunny's way better at English than everyone else, which makes sense because Sunny learned English as her first language. Like she grew up in America and she she makes a point of saying Igbo is not my first language um, English is, American English um, and then she tells Sunny that she is going to Uh, use the switch to hit everyone's hands in the class as punishment for doing so bad on their English essay. Sunny starts sobbing because she gets really overwhelmed, and then her teacher does the whipping instead. And then everyone in the class is really mad at her because they're like, you should have whipped us because it barely would have (laughs) hurt. It's just your little tiny Yeah, the the teacher wailed on us. Mm. So then Sunny gets um, bullied like in a circle after school because of that. Um, but through that she has an interaction with Orlu, who is her um, neighbor. Lives kind of near her classmate. Yeah, yeah, classmate. Um, and uh, through Orlu, after school, she also uh, I can't remember if Orlu brings her to Chichi's house or they if run she into just on the way home. Okay, so Orlu is walking her home, um, and then they run into Chichi, who lives in this um like turf house it sounds like it's it's just like a mud hut kind of is the way that sunny describes it uh and it's just full of books and her mom hangs out in there and reads the books she doesn't go to school she doesn't go to school and so sunny is kind of mystified by them but it's also just kind of like okay like yeah <laughs> weirdos um so is hanging out with chichi and orlu and uh, Basically, Chi-Chi already figured out that Sunny was a leopard person. Sunny and Orlu are both leopard people. And they just bring Chi-Chi to their teacher, Anatov. And uh, Anatov does the initiation on Sunny. Um, She sees her spirit face, which looks like the sun, which is really, really cool. Um, And that's the point at which she... Learns she's a leopard person. Learns she's a free agent, um, and then that's where her like magical journey kind of kicks off in earnest. Um, as part of that magical journey, she also meets Sasha, who is Orlo's cousin. Or Orlo- yeah, so Sasha is Orlo's cousin, and Sasha is also American. Um, so he just came from America, and it sounds like he did something that was against Leopard Person Code. Like he used. I can't remember exactly what happened. He like disoriented a, a cop and yeah. had some people like he used his leopard powers to hurt um, the lambs, yeah. which and are, his family
0: was also concerned about him just being a young black man in America. Yeah,
1: yeah, that too. Um, so it uh, that's why they end up back in Nigeria as well. And you learn that they learn that the four of them, uh, Sunny Orlu, Chichi and Sasha are this sort of quartet of, um, leopard people who, uh, it just, the universe has brought them together to solve a problem. They're basically. a coven yes. called an Oha. Yes. Um, so, uh, Enatov, like I said, is their teacher. He's also American. Um, and uh, he sends them on a variety of quests. Very uh, dangerous quests. Yeah, really Some. dangerous quests. <laughs> and
0: uh, Ranging from like, go to the library to go into the night forest, which is filled with vengeful spirits. Right. To say hi to someone. <laughs>
1: right, right. So since Sunny and the rest of her quartet, which is what called what again? The coven? Oha. Huh? Oha. Huh. Um, uh, they can travel between the leopard person special world and the lamb regular world. And so they're going into the leopard world to get lessons from Anatov and then to do the things that he tells them to do. Um One of Sunny's main hurdles in even being able to attend lessons is that she has to figure out how to sneak out of her house. She's the only girl, child of her parents, and they are really strict on her. Um, She has to do the cooking. Like, she cooks for the whole
0: family every meal and just... Not every meal, but sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like any time where she's even arguably available, she has to cook. Yeah. and uh, takes that in stride, like she just, you know, is, is there's always this a like. A of
0: responsibility. Sunny quickly made dinner and then left. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! I know. I always feel like um, <laughs> when I make dinner, then I'm done for the night. Right. You know, I'm not gonna go out to my secret magic lessons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do it. No, totally.
1: And That's another, you know, marker of privilege too. That if I if I happen to actually make a meal, I'm gonna be hanging around pulling accolades for the meal that I've created out of people.
0: <laughs> Well, you just don't really cook, yeah, so I don't, I don't cook yeah. very often either.
1: So Sunny figures out when she's trying to escape from her house that she can actually become invisible. She buys a sheep's head from the market because the kind of magic that leopard people use is juju, Um which is uh, actually like rooted in uh, like I think it's not- that's just
0: what people call magic, in right. A lot of different Nigerian
1: folk tales. right? So I got the feeling that anytime they're saying juju, it's it's the Western it's- equivalent of saying magic, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And
0: mm-hmm. they they specify in the book too that leopard people are the same as other magical groups in other countries, but they call themselves by different names. Yes, yeah. So. Uh, one
1: thing that i think the book does a great job of just getting out of getting out of the way early on is they just clearly state hey there's tons of leopard people all over the world there's cultures within those cultures and that it's just an incredibly complex and diverse um just type of person mm-hmm. that is spread across the globe and yeah all kinds of different stuff is happening in all kinds of different leopard people circles which I loved it was it something that really bothered me even when I was a kid about the Harry Potter books is mm-hmm. at the beginning I was always like so are only only English people are wizards yeah. and like what what else is you know even by the end of it there's still only European like western european wizards involved
0: yeah and i uh, i don't even want to talk about jk rowling but when yeah, she we did we try to, to branch out and talk about wizards in the united states then she started getting super racist yeah. um with the way she talks about native americans yeah. and yeah yeah we just don't bad stuff let's just stay away from her and her garbage fires yeah um but,
1: anyways, just using that as a point to be like, I think they did a really, uh, the author did a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another important thing about leopard people is, uh, and this is just, this fixes the the fallacies of evolution that have <laughs> cre- created humans as this Ouroboros, the snake that eats mm-hmm. itself, because the leopard people, money is not necessarily the most important thing knowledge is the most important thing. Amazing. And amazing. the universe pays them in this special kind of currency called chitim that is like the leopard person currency. Like it just appears in front of them whenever they learn
0: something new amazing it's and it's also reinforcement that what they're doing is valuable. Is correct
1: yeah it's correct mm-hmm. and valuable and here is this magical currency that you can mm-hmm. go use to buy books to make yourself
0: more knowledgeable yeah. um, and it also encourages um i, I don't want to like bring up the good bad duality exactly but it encourages like productive yeah community-oriented behaviors. Yeah, it encourages behavior that
1: supports the common good. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, then, of course, one of the main villains, or the main villain in the book, who is called Black Hat Otokoto, he is also a leopard person. And so the book also takes care to be like, hey, some leopard people don't earn chitim. They just figure out how to steal it from other people so they're kind of like the lambs because mm-hmm. they
0: care more about money than knowledge. And then they also want to accrue regular right. currency. They like m-
1: the regular monies too.
0: Within the lamb community. Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah they want to be powerful in the lamb community. Um, So that was super interesting and just well put together i complain a lot about how uh, hard it can be to create a truly good magical system and society without huge gaping holes yeah. in it especially once you start to dig into it more you can really kill the the validity mm-hmm. of your own system mm-hmm. if you examine it too closely and yeah. this book just handles that so well it Like. Was- Brilliant! Honestly. Yeah, I didn't even have cu- a time to uh, think of what the plot holes were before the book was already plugging them. Mm-hmm. Like it was okay. So the reason that the four of them have been brought together in their coven is to defeat Black Hat Otokoto, who is uh, trying to call forth this. uh, The big bad is a type of masquerade who uh, remind me of uh, in a different folkloric tradition, jinns kind Mm of Mm -hmm. um, where they they exist on a different plane and they're like spirit creatures kind of but also made of like physical things and you can summon them and they're gonna just be evil and mess everything up if yeah. you summon them um and it seems like the like a masquerade means something already to in existing nigerian culture right like that wasn't something that was created as a magical
0: thing for the book no yeah it is um so a masquerade is a um dance that's done with these special masks and costumes that are meant to evoke specific spirits. Um, It's very secretive. Uh, The groups that perform these masquerades um, haven't shared a lot of information um, about the specifics behind it. um, And uh, like the... Ability to create those masks and masks and costumes is like carefully passed down and protected mm-hmm. um yeah so it al- already does feel mysterious and I loved that in the dedication for the book Nedio Okorafor said uh like to my mother who has always been terrified of masquerades.
1: <laughs> the masquerades in this book are um, really scary <laughs> and yeah I did you know
0: researching them a little bit they do look frightening they sound frightening. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then to go from, you know, seeing that in real life to, uh, oh, God, it can happen and the spirit is actually there. Yeah. It's-
1: very upsetting. Yeah, it um they seemed kind of eldritch, mm-hmm. like
0: just totally. scary and bad. And, we brought something forth that yeah. we should not have. About of Morgoth, exactly. <laughs> and Equensu is Iquenzu the Equensu is the big bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um
1: and that, uh, that black hat's trying to bring forth. Yes. Uh <laughs> and towards the end, well, okay, so one of the Homework assignments that Anatov keeps giving the uh, four heroes is to like go figure out how to meet and encounter various um, powerful uh, leopard people, and uh, Sonny realizes that they're he's doing that to set them up with their mentors. Yeah. Sonny's mentor is supposed to be Sugar Cream, great name, who. Uh, is an incredibly powerful leopard person. She's a scholar. Um, The scholars are kind of like the highest level of uh, leopard people that exist. Yeah, they're the most powerful.
0: There are four levels of ability. And to reach the second, third, and fourth, there are certain trials that you have to undergo. And very few people reach the fourth level. Yes, and all of these scholars and mentors
1: have reached it. Yeah, um, and uh, Sunny actually—so uh, sad. I felt so bad for her when this happened. She gets into another fight with the kids at school who mm. don't know anything about her leopard personness, and in fact, you're not supposed to let them know because it's just upsetting the natural order of things, um, and you're not supposed to ever do anything with your leopard powers with juju that will hurt a lamb. Uh, and Sunny is getting bullied. She's in a fight with this girl at school, and she shows her spirit face for just a second to be like, to scare her. Um, and then immediately gets picked up and taken to the library, right? Yeah. Which is like the, the- The OB library. Yeah, the special scholar place. And that's where she meets Sugar Cream, and Sugar Cream is like, bleh, you know, she's really disappointed with her because then she tells her like, I was supposed to be your mentor and now I'm beating you this way so that I can punish you. Yeah. Now I have to think about whether I want to mentor you. Right. And Sunny is like really crushed and it's understandable. And you also find out that black hat, Otokoto's mentor was Sunny's grandmother who was also a leopard person um, who passed a while back. Uh, And Sonny is like, oh, okay. Mm. So it's like a it's like an Anakin type deal. um, Only it's actually written well. (laughs) Just taking potshots at all kinds of massive franchises
0: today. they deserve it yeah okay yeah and after reading a book like this that is so inventive and different and I, it disappoints me even more by what we back end on up some with some of these other works that we've just been strung along with for all these years yeah. and the modding is wonderful and it's like oh uh, uh, <laughs> is that mediocre yeah yeah exactly yeah.
1: um and uh, Sunny has a talk with her mom before they leave to actually face Black Hat Otokoto. Oh, should I talk about the... There, There's this... We'll get into this more when we talk about... Um, pretend food and some other stuff. But there is this festival that the four go to together and Sunny gets to play soccer, uh, which because she has albinism before she unlocked her leopard powers, she could never hang out in the sun. Yeah. Um, like she had to wear an umbrella and sunblock and just kind of hide, but she gets to play soccer with the boys at the festival. They don't win, but they really get. She's them a up. star. Yes, she is a star, and she has a super fun time, um, and it's really impressive. Basically, it's it. You just you get the feeling like she's enjoying so much having friends and coming into her power and figuring out what she's good at. Um, it's it's really lovely. It's very enjoyable
0: uh, and finding a community after feeling ostracized. like such an outsider yeah. in many different ways. Right, she makes it a point um, to talk about the fact that one, she's
1: American. Uh, So she doesn't belong in Nigeria. And then even though she's technically Nigerian, she comes from two distinct ethnic groups. So that further complicates, like whenever people ask her where she's from, Mm -hmm. she, you know, gives them
0: a 10 word answer. And then they're like, are you, what? (laughs) And then she also has albinism. Right. And then even after she learns that she's a leopard person, she's a free agent, which puts her still even in her own weird sphere within that community. She has so many othering characteristics, which is
1: really hard for her um, as it would be for anyone. But you also learn that uh, anything that you might think of as a like issue or um, infirmity or deformity as a lamb actually means that you're more powerful as a leopard person um, because it's just taking more, your leopard person power is just taking more of your bandwidth. Mm-hmm. That's basically how I thought mm-hmm. of it. Um, so, and then usually that. It relates. Is connected to your special ability. Yeah. Like I really liked how sugar cream, she has gnarly scoliosis. And
0: Nnedi Okorafor has scoliosis. Oh, interesting. I thought that you could uh, relate to that. Yeah.
1: I have a small amount of scoliosis. It's, it's probably not ever going to be an actual issue, but sometimes my back hurts and one of my hips is like two inches higher than the other one. But sugar cream, her, her back is all twisty and she can turn into a snake which I thought that was cool. That it cool. like went well. Or like with Sunny how she can become invisible um because and she has
0: one foot in the spirit world yes. and one in the human world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so
1: at that festival, I think it's right after the soccer match, um Yeah, it's at the party for the students. Yeah. Uh ChiChi summons a masquerade um because <laughs> she's She's kind of she's mad and she's like showing off and I love Chi Chi as a character, but she does some pretty foolish things. Yeah,
0: in the masquerade. uh, And Sasha has helped her learn how to do it. Right. Even though he has summoned one before, and that also sounds like it was not a good experience.
1: Yeah. So Chi-Chi summons a masquerade. It almost kills everyone. Um, but they manage to defeat it together because
0: Orlu's special ability is being able to undo Juju yeah. and just in general like set situations right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. So that's the first time you see them defeat a masquerade. Mm-hmm. So you know that they can do it, and then. Before the four of them are summoned to take on Black Hat, they uh, first Sunny has a conversation with her mother, which happens like some before and some after, I think. Um I can't remember exactly. But the, the substance of the conversation is that her mom basically tells her that she knows her own mother or Sunny's grandmother was a leopard person. She doesn't really know anything about it besides the fact that like she's magic and couldn't talk about it. And she sees the markers in Sunny. Um, So she knows. And then that's when she tells Sunny too, we moved back to Nigeria because I could just feel that it was bad for you to be in America and we needed to go to Nigeria. And now that we're here, I actually think it was that it just felt good for you to be in Nigeria because Mm -hmm. you had a job here. And so then the four of them, They talk to Anatov, and then they meet with, like, the Council of Scholars, basically. And they're, like, all kinds of weird, brilliant, you know, super interesting leopard people. Um, And then they find out that Black Hat Otokoto, they've known he's a leopard person. He's been, like, stealing and mutilating children for his, like misuse of juju yeah. um, in order to free the big bad um, they find out that there has been lots of other leopard people like students and dif- different cadres and covens who have been going after black hat and it sounds like they've all been dying <laughs>
0: Yeah, because some <laughs> children have escaped. They've all been mutilated yeah. already, but they've been alive. But yeah, no one else who has attempted to rescue them has. Yeah, so they find out that they're actually just part Going of this on
1: a whole group um, effort. Yeah. Um, there's a strong theme of like collective effort and yes. the common good in this group because even then, like, Sugar Cream says to them, mm-hmm. you know, it's not about you. If you die... the the things will keep happening like your story ends, but it's, it's about the common good. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I thought that thread of mortality being approached very differently than we do in super European cultures, um, was really powerful and also appropriate for the way that this magic works. Uh, so they meet black hat, black hat, um,
1: I thought he was going to be like a hot villain, but he actually sounds no. like a pretty funny-looking
0: <laughs> man. Yeah, <laughs> like he has a big pot belly. I think it yeah. says, and, and but like very muscly arms. Yeah, yeah, China kind of face like the the sailor
1: type bod, mm-hmm. like the old sailor mm-hmm. with the beefy arms, but the tum from drinking. <laughs> um, and uh, he uh, calls the masquerade. It comes. He calls uh, himself to serve as the final death. Necessary. Yeah. And when they show up, the kids he kidnapped are dead too. And so the four of them are just like, ah,
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: now we're going to die. Yeah. Um, they do manage to defeat the masquerade though, mm-hmm. um, with their powers. And, uh, in, uh, a twist that I also really liked, um, Orlu is able to bring the kids back to life because yeah. he undoes their deaths. Uh, and then they save the day and they come home and the book ends like pretty quickly after that. There isn't like a medal giving ceremony. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and Sunny even comments on how she had a moment where she thought there'd be a procession of cars filled with scholars coming to pick right, them up yeah. from the battle scene, and instead it's a man in a van. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you're muddy. That's fine. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. Um, and uh, that's kind of where it ends. That was a really long summary, and I totally... I love (laughs) that you said it was going to be a flyover summary and then proceeded to lovingly and wonderfully detail the book. You just have to talk about it because it's so good there is another book in the series that came out in 2017 called Akata Warrior I just saw that yeah and Nedio Okorafor has confirmed that a third book is going to be published as well that's awesome but I don't think there's is? a release date yet okay um, yeah she's probably still writing it She I look I just looked at her Twitter and she said that she just sent the first like 40 pages of it to her publisher. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely want to read the other books in the series.
1: Yeah, I think I'm just going to go ahead and download it now. (laughs) Why fight (laughs) it? (laughs) It's also almost 13 hours long. So that means it's a beefier book, which is exciting.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. Summary. Typically, we do cover our old and new impressions now, um, but instead, we're going to talk a little bit about Nnedi Okorafor's goals that she's stated for her writing and for this series, and then kind of fit it into the context of other YA fantasy books that we've covered. Yeah. So Nnedi Okorafor, um, she is a very celebrated author, which is very deserved. Um, in addition to writing uh, novels and short stories, she's also written uh, comics, specifically a few different Black Panther comics, which is like a perfect oh, fit. Oh, okay. And she has she is Nigerian American. Um, she refers to herself as uh, Nige American, <laughs> um, and she has won a Hugo Award, a Nebula Award, and an Eisner Award. Um, she grew up in the United States because her parents traveled to America to go to college, but then they couldn't go back to Nigeria because of the Nigerian Civil uh. War. Um, so she has been visiting Nigeria throughout her life, but she and visiting relatives and family and spending time there. But, but she, she hasn't lived there, has yeah, always okay. um, been living in the United States and actually lived in the Chicago suburbs. That's interesting. <laughs> so we have in
1: common. I think someone else is from the south side of Chicago, Sasha is, right?
0: Yeah. So she does draw from Nigerian folklore um, for many and pretty much all components of her books. Um, And she wrote a really great essay that we'll link on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com so you can check it out about the genres that she writes in. So I'm just going to read a little excerpt from that now. I am an African futurist and an African jujuist. African futurism is a subcategory of science fiction. African Jujuism is a subcategory of fantasy that respectfully acknowledges the seamless blend of true existing African spiritualities and cosmologies with the imaginative. And I really appreciated that. Um, She also talks about how uh, she goes in more detail on African futurism because that's a take on an existing genre Afrofuturism. Mm -hmm. Um, But she says that what she wants to do is focus more on Africa than on the diaspora on the black diaspora. So she's going to the, individuals and folktales that are still in Africa as opposed to those that have already spread through to the United States. So there's more of an African focus than like a focus on Africans living in America or in Europe or elsewhere Mm -hmm. in the world. Um, And she had a great example Afrofuturism is Wakanda builds its first outpost in Oakland, California, USA. (laughs) African futurism, Wakanda builds its first outpost in a neighboring African country. (laughs) (laughs) Totally makes sense. And it just makes so clear the very American attitude of, yeah, we're the center of the universe. We are the sun and everything else. Yeah. Rotates around us. Mm -hmm. Um, I also read a quote from another interview with her um, talking about being Nigerian American. She said, that's very much a part of my identity, and it's also very much a reason why I think I ended up writing science fiction and fantasy, because I live on these borders, mm. and these borders that allow me to see from multiple perspectives and kind of take things in and then kind of process certain ideas and certain stories in a very unique way. Okay, And yeah. that has led me to write this strange fiction that I write, which really isn't that strange if you really look at it through a sort of skewed lens. Interesting, Which I totally agree with. Um There was a New York Times piece about her um, that had a quote from Neil Gaiman saying that the sheer joy of something like the Akata series is the feeling that I simply have not read this before, and that is so rare. It's fantasy, yet it comes from a cultural place that isn't the stuff we've already seen a thousand times before. A thousand times. And it's not just because
1: not only has my fantasy book Knowledge come from an overwhelmingly white, Eurocentric folklore tradition. Um, also, my video games mm-hmm. and like my movies and my TV shows, like all of it. It's just it's so Eurocentric. Yeah, that's that's it. That's all it is. It's really ridiculous, <laughs> and you and know. so it's so wild. Like having this whole. New area opened up before you, and being like, oh, right, like this, the author didn't create this whole cloth. This is just a different, you know, mythology and
0: folklore tradition that I have no experience with. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's like you're in the matrix, and then you open your eyes and you're like, oh, wait, this is all derived from like the same five. (laughs) Right, <laughs> um, and that's why a lot of it is kind of tedious and not that good yeah. if you're a really talented writer you can course, still yeah. rise above that and like obviously we love fantasy <laughs> like we we have a podcast about yeah. it um, we think it's a very valuable genre um, but to be able to step away from everything that we have read all our lives and enter into something so new is really thrilling um, and Madeline I know you mentioned this uh while we were reading but it just is so all-encompassing to experience this um and I too felt extremely in the story um uh to an extent that I was surprised by yeah I haven't been so just in that I haven't been so engrossed by a book in Mm -hmm. a while Um, but this was extremely captivating
1: yeah and I think that part of it too is like I didn't I really wanted to build the world in my head instead of a lot of times if I'm – it made me realize how lazy I can be when I'm reading books that come from a Western folklore tradition Mm -hmm. because I already figure what the underlying – everything is based on, you know, you don't yeah. have to pay that much attention to what the book is doing in order to understand it because you're like, yeah, yeah, I know all this stuff. Like I've been totally this story in some form since
0: I was a small child. Yeah, you don't have to do the mental work yeah. um to actually put the pieces together. So that was really cool too. Um and it's, you know, it's not a challenging book by any means. I think it's very firmly YA. I think um, it's super
1: accessible. It does
0: a great job of uh, alongside introducing all of us to this magic system Mm -hmm. of allowing sunny to have a you know fairly straightforward coming of age story but because there's also these cultural clashes that she has experienced her whole life and then those are mirrored through the magic and through Mm -hmm. her social experiences it's just it all comes together so perfectly yeah um And she's really a character that you can and do root for. Um, I always am a sucker for any story where we can see someone's like pure magical side and we get spirit names and spirit faces yeah. um for all of the main characters one of my favorite moments of the whole book was when they're in the van going back over the bridge into leopard Knox. and everyone and sunny was wondering like how do we cross back over in a van yeah. <laughs> because it is a kind of complicated process to enter leopard Knox because you're crossing the boundary between the human world and spirit world right. um and it she decides to keep her eyes open while everyone else kind of respectfully closes their eyes as they're going across and she gets to see everyone's spirit faces yeah. um, and she's only seen Chi-Chi's before because she showed it to her but she like kind of isn't supposed to. It's like kind of a private thing mm-hmm. you don't really see each other's yeah. spirit faces yeah. Um and I loved getting to witness that yeah. and that Sunny's spirit face as you mentioned is the sun. I think that's so sweet. And that she becomes a sort of elegant dance figure when she's in her spirit form yeah Okay, so like we mentioned, um, this is a learning how to be a magic student book, yes. which I'll always be obsessed with. Just so much fun. Um, <laughs> there has been, so a big marketing ploy for this book was calling it the Nigerian Harry Potter, which I have a lot of issues mm. with um, for a variety of reasons, one of which we already touched on, which is that Harry Potter is so european centric and also has a lot of other problems that are becoming more and more apparent to me in recent months for a lot of us, reasons I think. that you're yeah. probably not surprised by yeah um but then also is set in such a structured specific environment and The thing about Harry Potter, and I think this is part of what makes it so popular, but the school that they go to and the way that they learn to be magical is kind of exactly the way that non-magical people learn to cultivate a skill or an area of knowledge. classroom
1: oriented. It
0: is classes. It is professors. There is a clear curriculum that you need to follow. Yeah. this book couldn't have a more different approach to magical education. Practical based learning, it like is, practical skills based learning. It is. And then there's also the uh, concept that by becoming more knowledgeable and skilled, that, that is how you are earning your living because mm-hmm. that's what you're getting paid for. Right. You don't need to complete training and then get a job like you are devoting your life to this pursuit. Mark said <laughs> <laughs> that
1: all labor is alienating. Yes. And yet the leopard people don't have alienating labor because they're rewarded for getting knowledge. And I just think that's I I just love that. That kind of blew my mind that how simple but smart that is and I just I just think it's so
0: thoroughly not American <laughs> there are so many socialist themes yes, throughout the book yeah specifically anti-capitalist sentiments yes anti-American sentiments mm-hmm. um and you know some of that is put forth as like more of a challenge to Sunny than actual commentary, right. I think, because mm-hmm. and to Sasha because they're both, uh, you know, sensitive about being outsiders. They in identify culture Americans. and they identify as Americans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then some of it also is like fundamental to the book, and I think mm-hmm. w- w- they were important points that Nnedi Okorafor set out to make. Mm-hmm. One of the most striking moments for me was when they went to the festival, which was at Zuma Rock in Abuja. Um, a huge city in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned a lot about Nigeria. Yeah, while reading this book. Wow, I felt very ignorant. Um, after yep. finishing it, but that's that's good. I need to like yeah. embrace that discomfort, right? So I that think, I can learn. I think that's one of the ways in which
1: ignorance stacks is that people don't want to seek out stuff that makes them feel ignorant, so then they just trouble. never learn like, the, the new things. Because oh boy, like, no, that makes that makes me. <laughs> stupid,
0: <laughs> um, But when they were in Abuja, they were staying at the Hilton. I think Sunny and Sasha were saying, wow, this is really fancy. Um, and Chi-Chi and Orlu were like, This should not exist. Mm. Think about all the people we saw on our way here who have nothing are struggling to survive. And we're in like a hotel with chocolates on the pillows in a skyscraper. Mm -hmm. Like this is not how humans should be structuring society. Um, And I've never seen anything like that in a YA fantasy book. No, I mean, I'm,
1: So I think that a lot of even Western fantasy is anti-capitalist at its roots because uh, – and I think a lot of that is because of Tolkien because he was anti-industrialism. Yeah, Yeah, because – literally because he saw like the English – the countryside being eaten up by coal plants, which is a very like – stark and ugly yeah. thing
0: but specifically i think the contemporary context is what made it really yes, stand out exactly. to exactly like i totally agree with you that a lot of western fantasy is anti-capitalist but, but it's more mealy-mouthed about it it's gentle yeah you don't get these explicit statements like or like the moments when scholars say like the americans funded black hat Tokoto or that other scholars are oil barons right. like, it like it, it's right. just it was a
1: very straightforward nod to like who the true evils are in our own world yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah. um so we have to sit with that and confront that as opposed to you know it, it's a lot easier when something is in like a medieval setting to be like down with the king right <laughs> exactly because then
1: it's not just anti-capitalist mm-hmm. it's very firmly like evil and yeah. that doesn't have any you know it's it's yeah. Kind of anti-capitalist, but also they're bad. They're a bad, evil king. Right. Got to get rid of the bad, evil king. Replace it with a
0: better king. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a huge. That's a problem in a lot of the books we read, where there is this really clear: good people, bad people. We're good. They're yeah. bad. We destroy them. Good wins. Right. Um, but you need to call into question, like, well, what are the means what's that the you're system? using to destroy them, and then yeah. what's what are you going to be setting up in their stead? it's there's a lot of room for missteps and for problems um yeah. and i think that throughout this book many different characters at all levels of learning um voice that mm-hmm. yeah and i really really appreciated that yeah something else that i a piece of the book that i loved was sunny's learning in in Sibidi. Um The language that is a uh, uh, symbol based language um, that also is constantly kind of fluctuating and moving and changing and the instructional book about it is all written in it. So you have to kind of learn it you know what, in r- order to learn it, it and it's written by sugar me- cream right, and it it reminds me a little bit of the charter
1: in Garth Nix's a totally. series, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: it does have um charter similarities, definitely, yeah. and insiti, I'm probably mispronouncing it differently every time I say it. I'm so sorry, um is a real language um it is a system of symbols indigenous to southeastern Nigeria um that experts believe are pictograms um. And they've found the earliest forms on pottery dating back to at least 400 A.D. and possibly earlier. Um, so those are real. And I learned that Nettie Okorfor has an Incibidi tattoo, which is really cool. Cool. Um, and the drawings throughout the book are that language. I didn't see any drawings you used an audio book <laughs> yeah but there are, there are cool drawings throughout the book um, mm, cool. that are symbols from that language um, learning about that was super cool I just I did so much googling while reading which you know sometimes that's a bad thing sometimes it's a good thing in this case it was definitely a good thing yeah. um, I'm just kind of blown away by how much I learned while reading a YA fantasy book which is really again the so far, podcast. So I don't know why I'm blown away. But well, because it's we took the very simple step of uh, yeah.
1: doing an author that is not white mm-hmm. um, and also not a man, which I think is also very yeah. special. Like mm-hmm. as a part of this book, um, because the society, the Lamb Society portrayed in the book is uh, very patriarchal. Um, and even uh, even some things about leopard uh, people society appear to be patriarchal as well, but that probably depends on yeah. like the other cultural stuff going on, you know.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Sunny is met with misogyny quite a bit yeah. throughout. Um, her experiences that take place in lamb culture, mm-hmm. um, it does feel like the leopard people are much more, um, there's just equality for all genders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the ranks that people are able to rise to are not impacted by whether they're a woman. Yeah. Um, and in fact, one of my favorite details is that the Nim priestesses have it in their code that they will not marry. Mm -hmm. Um, So they are ensuring that they do have some level of independence or they'll be hurt by that because they won't be married. Mm -hmm. And for a woman throughout history, that has presented very complex challenges. And that meant that Sunny's grandmother, who was a NIM priestess, was thought of as, you know, a ruined woman Mm -hmm. um, because she did not marry and that's something that Sonny's mom even hides from her dad Yeah, Um because it seems like she's about to say that he wouldn't have married her if he knew that her parents had been married. Sonny's dad <laughs> thumbs down I mean I thought we were going to have a moment at some point in the book where he would show that he had some kind of understanding of why he yeah. is biased against his daughter basically. I thought that it
1: was going to be like There was going to be a direct scene or something where he's like, I'm mad at you because we had to move to Nigeria from the United States because of you. But Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: or saying like, I am worried about you because you're a girl, you know, which I'm not (laughs) into either. But at least there would be some articulation of that.
1: But no, he's just like a
0: jerk. He has to stand for her um, in every way. Yeah. And I was really. Proud of her that she refused to, to get beat. Uh, let him hit her again yeah. by the end of the book. Yeah. Um, sometimes dads are just bad, I guess is the message. <laughs> yeah, and, this is a this is a ye old fantasy universe, a bad dad. <laughs> and you're not gonna get any sort of closure yeah. there. Um yeah. So it was also
1: funny to me. I I I don't know if this is gonna be more expanded on in the next book or something, but Sonny or Chi Chi's
0: dad. Being like a famous um, pop star for if I kept thinking of him, I as, checked. He's made up. Um, okay. Most of the musicians mentioned in the book are real, but, but he's, he's not. So, do you think he's a character in the next book? I wonder.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I'm. I know very this. This doesn't me. fit at all. But I kept thinking of him as the dad from Jane the Virgin, <laughs> the famous <laughs> Spanish <soap>
0: opera. <laughs> yes. Just because I love him. Yeah, I love Rohelio, <laughs> too. But he he would be around. He would just totally peace. <laughs> this book is also part of the, I don't know how to pronounce this word, but G-N-E-N universe, um, G-I-N-E-N, which Nettie Okorafor has written a few different stories oh, okay. and books Okay, I was going to ask, in. what other books um written? Because I guess that they're... There's only one mention uh, that kind of ties this book into some of those other books, but when they're talking about the glass that Sunny's juju knife blade is made from, they say that it's said to be from the dried cut dried eye cuticle of a beetle. <coughs> Do you remember that? No, no. <laughs> What? (laughs) Which is in uh, like a beetle found in Ginen, like in this place. Ginen. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Yeah. So it makes me want to read her other works too, um, just to see the threads. Oh, she lives in. Oh, no. She was born in Cincinnati. Yeah. She still lives in the South, um, in South Chicago. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I also, it was also really cool to learn that. Zuma Rock is a real place and it's super amazing looking. Um, It is a massive, you know, freestanding stone. That's where they go for the festival and for the... A wrestling fight, which we haven't even talked about, um, which really we should have mentioned we were talking about mortality because that is the clearest commentary on what living or dying means right. as a leopard person. Yeah. Um, because the wrestler who is defeated, who is a man that Sonny felt an emotional connection to because he comforted her prior to the match when she was crying feeling upset about being a free agent feeling isolated even within this what should be her community Mm -hmm. he was a man who was getting ready to die and yet he came and like gave her his handkerchief and talked to her and comforted her Um, when he is defeated he rises as an angel immediately and it was
1: his wife talks because then Mm -hmm. Sonny comes out on the field and his wife is there because she's like in shock and upset because her husband just died and she says like he saw it, like he knew that he was going to become an angel and that was his fate. We just didn't realize how soon it, that it was going to yeah. be because they were like fairly young. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
0: But he had, you know, another tier to move on to. Yeah. Um, he ascended in another way and he would mm-hmm. still be, you know, engaged in this thing we call existence. <laughs> it just wasn't going to be in the same capacity yeah. in the same way. Yeah. And it was, you know,
1: it was more of that just, he needed to be that. That's what he needed to be for the world. And so that's what life took him to, even though that
0: meant a short life for him. I think we need to move on to our regular segments because <laughs> this is going to be an extremely long episode. Animals, just like animals, animals. 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 Like. animals. Coolest part of Sunny becoming a leopard person is that she can suddenly see a whole host of creatures that have just been living in the world and hanging out. There's something that this reminds me of and I can't there's an Adventure Time episode. It's Adventure Time. <laughs> yep, it is an Adventure Time episode. We've been Where, talking about Adventure Time a lot recently. I don't know it's, why. It's because it's a comfort show.
1: Finn accidentally falls into the spirit realm when he touches this calf uh, statue. or It's like a little baby lamb statue. Yeah, a little
0: lamb. And then yep. he gets stuck in
1: the spirit world.
0: And, and he like, becomes the Finn lamb. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, and uh, the Ice King can see him because Ice yeah. King is a wizard, and he like makes Finn fight the spirits for him because he's afraid of them. <laughs> and I kind yeah. of wonder if the writers took that the spirit world mm-hmm. concept from cultural ideas yeah. like this yeah. because yeah. it really reminded very me of the similar. Adventure Time episode very similar and yeah, uh, down to
0: how colorful all the yes. animals are and they're just weird random and, and they'll just be like sitting on a person's head but the person you know can't feel or see them because exactly. they're not connected to the spirit world yeah and, Um yeah I really appreciated those I loved the red grasshopper how Sunny was initially like kind of grossed out in your By it, and Orly was like, some people would be thrilled to just have a red grass. Those are a lot better than (laughs) some of the other guys. Um, And then the special wasp that the junk man gives to Sunny um, when she buys her juju knife, uh, who she names Della. Um, the wasp creates art and if Sunny is appreciative of the art then the wasp is appreciative and keeps on making it Um, and we learn from Sasha that if you're not appreciative of the art the wasp will sting you so that you're paralyzed for 10 minutes and then you have to watch it die (laughs) I think he actually said don't he say like they're so dramatic (laughs) yeah that is pretty dramatic it's really dramatic <laughs> yeah um but that wasp was really sweet and a nice I, I felt like something that's tough in the book is home always feels so kind of dark and unwelcome yeah. uh, or unwelcoming next to the time that sunny spends with her coven and in um, leopard knox yeah. um, and so having the wasp there creating little fun sculptures for her made it feel like a better place yeah. a warmer slightly mm-hmm. slightly warmer place and the way that the wasp celebrates Della celebrates um black hat otoko's defeat is by creating a little statue of him and then blowing the head off <laughs> which is great <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> um we also need to talk about tongue was i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly yeah um, those like heaps of flesh they're bags of uh, Like elements of a body. Um, So there's like teeth and bones and muscle and Mm -hmm. hair, but it's all just in little bits. And they're kind of like out roaming through the world. Mm -hmm. And then when they're done being, they explode. So you get spattered with filth with like the worst kind rotten of organic material <laughs> and sunny is introduced to it when they're just eating at a restaurant and then one explodes on them yep. um pretty gross it's uh gotta
1: be one of the main drawbacks of being a leopard person is that suddenly you have that <laughs> have in your life
0: <laughs> <laughs> at one point there are children who are like playing with one like a ball which yeah. just seems like a really bad idea yeah it's But it also seems like something children would totally do. So the masquerade's also technically, I think, fit into animals in this book, especially the insect one um, that they call up while they're at the Zuma Festival. Yeah, the insect one is made of, like, stinging bugs.
1: It's awful.
0: Really gross. Uh, Really scary stuff. Yeah. The masquerades in general were horrifying, especially when you pay attention to the measurements that Nedio Okorafor is giving and think about how massive they are. And then the other creature to note is a bush soul, which is a spirit that hides inside a flock of creatures. Mm -hmm. So when they're traveling through the night forest, which is a very scary place, similar to... um... The night forest is a place of...
1: uh... Heffalumps and woozles.
0: Heffalumps and woozles. Um, I'm thinking of uh, the fire swamp. That's what. Oh, <laughs> the fire swamp. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like you go in you die you don't oh come out gosh. it's impassable yeah. um but of course one of their sasha's mentor lives deep in it which feels fitting to me as he's yeah. sasha's mentor and they both yeah. like trouble um and thankfully he does give them a clear path home so they don't have to walk back through but they encounter a bush soul that is in a flock of bats mm-hmm. so you're already dealing with bats attacking you but then there's a horrible spirit inside the bats who's also watching to attack you yeah. and later they have one in parakeets <laughs> yikes i don't know how to deal with that yeah. good thing i'm not a leopard person <laughs> i can just live on in my dumb little world pretend food, pretend food. there's so much delicious food in this book yeah. um one of my it made me really want to try a lot too yeah i i've had a little west african food not very much um very little nigerian food i've only um, ever
1: eaten it at like an ethiopian restaurant mm-hmm. besides like you know the food court at like disney or brookfield zoo oh, where boy. they're like it's african
0: <laughs> here's some rice <laughs> yeah. enjoy yeah. <laughs> here's some beans are they the right beans (laughs) did we put the right spices in i don't know it's okay it's not spice but it has red dye in it (laughs) yeah agree yeah um so some of my most enjoyable googles were looking up some of the foods that sunny was mentioning enjoying um There are, the one part of her house I liked was that there was often a really delicious sounding soup being made. Yeah. Um, And I'm a sucker for a soup. I do love soups. What can I say? We've been uh, defrosting a lot of the soups that we have in our chest freezer on Sundays recently so that we can have like a chill dinner night. Um. I prefer a can of Amy's. (laughs) <laughs> Madeline and I have, I would say, opposite approaches to how we feed ourselves. Neither is better than the other, or worse than the other, but they're very different. I use the microwave most days. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I also appreciate that leopard food is leopard people food is even uh, is hotter, like mm, it's more intense. Yeah, um, and we learn about tainted pepper soup, um, which, which they has, eat. Uh, well, the tainted peppers, they, do they, do they eat tainted pepper? Though? Well, they, use oh yeah, it they as say that, they say that, um, at the restaurant that they go to that yeah. the owner uses tainted peppers. Um, yeah. Uh, doesn't
1: the woman who wrote the free agent book say like, you shouldn't eat them if you intend on having children. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of rules about making the soup. Well, but that was her and it's established at some point that the woman that wrote the book is actually like kind of um, stodgy and has some traditional views that don't have a place in the modern world. So everything she said, I tried to take with a grain of salt, but yeah, that soup sounded terrifying.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she is, she is a little, she is a little biased against free agents. Definitely. Mm. Um there's also I love when they have when they finally make it to Kahinde I think is maybe how you pronounce his name the teacher that lives in the night forest yeah. and a monkey comes and throws drinks at them <laughs> They get a Fanta, a malt, a Coke, and a bitter lemon. Um, and <laughs> such uh, a
1: weird assortment.
0: <laughs> I, I love that concept, though. Like, that's something that is very fun to me in fantasy books where, like, everyone gets a different drink yeah, and they're true. randomly assigned to you. And it's like, just take what you get. But it adds so much uh, flavor, if you will, to the passage, <laughs> especially when a monkey's throwing it at you. <laughs> okay. I was so excited when I got to the tainted pepper soup recipe, which was yeah written as if it was an excerpt from Fast Facts for Free Agents. Um, I'm always asking for fantasy recipes. To my, just right now, immediate recollection, I think the only book I've read that has one other than this is um, from the Book of Enchantments, which is a collection of Patricia C. Reedy short stories that Mm. we'll probably cover at some point. um, That's about how to make a chocolate cake with a sword and it's written by like a giant I think so it's also in the giant's vernacular Um, very fun I love that this recipe starts with practice and master making tainted pepper soup now or you will be sorry later and it's all about how like you'll never have a husband if you don't Pepper yes. soup. Yeah, um, There's a warning after every single ingredient about how, if the ingredient's not perfect, it the will soup explode. will explode yeah. within one hour. Um, and, uh, yeah, if there's one grain of sand in your crayfish, your soup will taste like glue. Um, and the ingredients in general are like very vague and kind of mean. <laughs> like, yeah. add palm oil, not too much, not too little. Palm oil is extremely high in cholesterol. Um, there's just all these all these wonderful wonderful asides. And don't use a metal spoon unless you want to poison your husband. When they visit Taiwo, who becomes Orlu's mentor. I think Orlu, yeah. Um, She has a large bird that has to carry them up to her house in the tree. That's the bird I was talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. we forgot about that bird and animals, but we're mentioning it now. And Anatov has sent them with a paper bag to deliver to her, and they feel like they're on this really important mission. And then she opens it, and it just has um, plums in it, right? Or is it prunes? Oh, it's prunes. Feed the prunes to the bird. And the bird... (laughs) Is just constantly
1: pooping on them too. <laughs> <laughs> Which also provides well, that me to punish them of, for their impertinence. Tamara appears because Dane is always getting pooped
0: on by the birds she takes care of because birds just poop everywhere. That's, that's natural. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So the package just turns out to be prunes that Chi Chi is then forced to feed to them. She's like so unhappy. And too. the bird's name is Nancy. <laughs> such amazing so great detail that I love yeah. very very much when they're leaving the restaurant in Leopard Knox after the tongue wag explodes on them the owner gives them a snack free to try to oh, offset that yeah. and I looked it up and it sounds so good I can't find the name of it now um I get two japanese snack boxes right now so maybe I can add in some sort of uh it's called chin chin and it's little chopped up squares of dough that are deep fried um that have condensed milk in them and it sounds really really good i found a recipe for it maybe i'll make it and it will be bad but (laughs) i will try (laughs) it's like it's kind of like fried cereal almost um oh nutmeg it looks really great really tasty i'll put up a picture (gasps)
1: curated Nigerian and West African snack boxes. <gasps> Whoa! In light of the pandemic I decided to sign myself up for a few different snack boxes so right now I have two Japanese snack boxes but I could... I um, think you have
0: two different Japanese snack boxes. They only come once a month, Grace! <laughs> <laughs> is Are they different focuses? Uh, like is one sweet and one savory? Nah, no. They're, it's they're, all sweet for yeah. you. <laughs> Like, well, why would Madeline sign up for a savory If there's ever anything
1: savory in there, I just give it to Nick, (laughs) and then he
0: eats it. Okay, so I think we've arrived at Badass Lady Meter hours later. (laughs) Here we are. Um, So, uh, shall we pick our badass ladies? Would you like to go first? Yeah, I think that
1: my uh, badass lady is Chi-Chi, and uh, Chi-Chi's rating is ageless wisdom nice chichi won't tell anyone how old she is nobody knows how old she is
0: yeah i'm gonna like buck tradition and pick chichi as well um i know we typically pick different characters and sunny deserves about us lady rating but we've already talked about her a lot yeah so i want to shed a little more light on chichi because we didn't didn't give her too much discussion um she is Confident as hell. She has a photographic memory. Yeah. She uh, reads all day instead of going powerful. to the crummy school, yeah. which is basically just like a source of abuse. Yeah. um And I love that she maintains a certain air of mystery. In some I ways. love it. She's like both. Very open, like almost too open, but then also like I'm not telling you how old I am, and you don't need to know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great moment when Sasha, who has also been like having a romance with her, uh, is like. Chi Chi is the oldest in the group. And then he's like, well, actually, I don't know. Maybe I'm <laughs> the oldest even in know. the group. I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and beyond that, she is just like really a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um, and she's going to take her second-level tests early. Mm-hmm. Um, or so they think. I don't they don't they don't know how old she is, but she's got it all together, and I really admire her for that. And she doesn't have like angst about not knowing her dad right um, She's just, just does care about him thing. yeah, yeah which, she's like
1: no he's useless sure he's rich and famous but we've never seen
0: a dime <laughs> <laughs>
1: which i really appreciate
0: that's a good uh template yeah. for a lot of us yeah so my rating for chi chi is an endless book that she can always be memorizing nice okay i think wow we've come to the end um That was a long one. If you're here, thank you for staying with us. Yay. Um, We had, as we uh, effusively mentioned, such a wonderful time reading this book. Thank you again to Nina for recommending it. Yay! Um, And we have more books to come by not just white authors anymore. And that feels great. (laughs) Progress. Looking forward to (sighs) it. Our next book is going to be Dragon Rider by Cornelia Funka. Funka. We've already, we recently covered a book by her, and yet here we are, still can't pronounce her name correctly. Stick with Dragon Babies. Yay! Thank you so, so much for listening, everyone. You can find us on the internet at dragonbabiespodcast.com, on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast, on Twitter at dragonbabiespod, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. I'm Grace. I'm Madeline. Until next time. Farewell.